from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Five minutes after the hour of 11, bottom of the hour, Scott Docterman of The Athletic will help us out on Iowa. They held, uh, Kirk Ferentz held his media day yesterday. Uh, the team is uh, on the field for their first spring practice. And Doc will slide on in here uh, and um, kind of set the expectations for what the Hawkeyes hope to get out of the 15 practices that make up spring football. What we do know is there's going to be fans at Kinnick Stadium. What what did I see, twice during the spring? Yeah, yeah, two different opportunities, which is huge, right? Oh, I Trent. The fans salivating to be able to see the team get out there and for us, even more content to talk about. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I saw Nebraska selling theirs and have already mm-hmm. sold all of theirs that were available. Uh, no surprise. Let's get uh, our friend Cody Goodwin in for the Des Moines Register. I'm going to listen to Trent and Cody opine on wrestling at, <laughs> at, at some point in this. Spencer Lee shares the Hodge, right, with the kid from Minnesota? Yes, Gable Ste- Stevenson. Who is awesome. And with is a he? name like Gable. Right. That's what I thought. First thing I saw. Thought I saw you'd that. end up at Iowa. Cody, how you doing? Good to talk with you again. Uh, busy time for you. And this is a busy wrestling season. It's an Olympic year. Again, you thought last year, uh, maybe 13 months ago, it was going to be that. So your wrestling uh, coverage is just going to continue throughout the summer, right? Yeah, man, we are we are rolling right through, right? The Olympic trials are later this week. We we got all the way through the, the high school season and the college season, and, um, you know, it doesn't end with the Olympic trials. Wrestling, for those of us that are deep in the wrestling bubble like me, man, it's, uh, it's a 13-month sport, man. There's going to be something big probably every month all the way through the spring and summer months, and then we'll roll back around to fall and play football for a few months, and then, boom, we're right back at it in November. So it just it doesn't stop, man. It does not stop. As you look back, and we'll get into the CIML, and the breakaway from the Des Moines schools here in a moment. But on the wrestling front, you look at the way everything finished up. We get Iowa winning a national championship in the collegiate side. High school goes off. Did it go about as well as could have been anticipated? Because from my vantage point, not as deep into it as you, that's how I see it. Um, I mean, in terms of getting the season in, yeah. Um you know, I think there's there there, there was a lot that I, there were a lot of people that were nervous, myself included. You know, just about the sport of wrestling, right? Like, is it going to get through the season? You know, what happens if there's a positive test? There were a handful of high schools and obviously a handful of college programs, like we saw with Iowa. Penn State had some issues. Rutgers had some issues. Where, you know, just by the nature of the sport of wrestling, um, a positive test shuts down the whole team, right? It's not like football where maybe you can get away with you know playing with some backups at certain positions if you schedule your practices correctly. Um, you know, that's just, it's kind of the nature of the beast, but you know, Hey, we, we got through it. Um, wrestling, wrestlers are resilient people, man. And, and I will say this wrestling probably deserves to hang its hat on this fun stat right here at the NCAA championships at both the division one level and the division two level and the, uh, NWCA division three national championships, which were held at Coralville. Um, not a single positive COVID-19 test that? across all That's three awesome. of those tournaments. Um, wrestling deserves to hang its hat on that. That is mighty impressive considering that, you know, you've got between those three tournaments over 600, 700 competitors plus coaches, huh. athletic trainers, this, that, and the next. I mean, that is, 
that is absolutely remarkable. Um, you know, so the, you know, the fact that wrestling was able to do that is not surprising, but at the same time, very impressive. Um, you know, just th- that we got through it. I think it, it was a sigh of relief, but also, you know, just really cool to kind of celebrate the sport and, and be able to take advantage of these national tournaments that we didn't get last year. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the, the wrestling action, everything around the sport this season was really weird. But once the, once the whistle blew and these guys shook hands and started, uh, um, started wrestling. Um, not much changed, and that that was the really cool part that we were able to see it all the way through to the end. Cody, uh, Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register is our guest. Cody, I thought that the toughest um, Iowa athlete that I'd ever read about was was Alex Karras, who apparently and I know this was in jest, but the rumor was that he held up his socks with thumbtacks, um, <laughs> which is a mark of toughness, I guess. But but so is wrestling without not one ACL, but out, without both of them. That's remarkable that he was an, an an athlete in any sport was uh able to do that let alone one that wins a national championship. That's tough. Well, and not just win a national championship. I mean, he outscored his five opponents um 59 to 8 over the course of the weekend. Um and it's not like he was just wrestling scrubs either. I mean, three of the guys he beat ended up becoming all-Americans. Um you know, a, a fourth of the uh, the other guy that he ended up beating or one of the other guys he ended up beating um, Purdue's Devin Schroeder finished in the blood round and is a Big Ten finalist. Um, the blood round is, you know, one win away from becoming an All-American. So, you know, four of his five matches at the NCAA Championship, Spencer Lee was against guys that finished in the top 12 at the weight class. And he still was able to do what he did. I mean, I I tell you what, I when we got to talk to him and Tom after the tournament, I, I, I prefaced my question to both of them, you know, hey, I'm kind of at a loss for words here, but here's an attempt to ask a question to try and, you know, figure out what the heck was going on here. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of factors into why Spencer is able to, to do what he did that weekend. And, um, you know, chief among them is that he's just, he's just built different. I know that people say that about wrestlers and other superior athletes all the time, but they're just different and they're just, they're not like the rest of us. But man, I tell you what, I've been trying to tell people all the time that Spencer is, you know, he's a remarkable human being. I'm not exactly sure if he's actually a human being after watching what he did at the NCAA championships. It's, I still don't have words for it, man. It, it, I've never seen anything like that, and I don't know if I'll ever see anything like that. And you know, again, if not in a really long time, I, it was. It, I'm still at a loss for words. It was remarkable. Well, Cody, big news in the high school ranks, and uh, something that's been bandied about now for months becomes official yesterday as Des Moines Public Schools announces that they will be leaving the CIML for a new conference. They'll be joining Ames, who made their decision also last night, Mason City, Fort Dodge, Marshalltown, forming a new 10-team league. Let's start here on the local front with Des Moines. When you look at the five suburban schools, the opportunities that are going to be in front of them, how do you see this? Do you see this as a positive for the public schools and opportunities for them maybe win some more games? Yeah, you know, I had I had a couple different trains of thought here when I when I heard that they were they were leaving and, and our buddy Matthew Bain has done a really good job uh-huh. of staying on top of this story the moment that, you know, these conversations, you know, not just surfaced but really started to kind of take hold here. Um, you know, my first thought was, well, okay, you're kind of separating the, you know, you're separating the schools that struggle from the schools that succeed, right? And and I don't know exactly what, you know, from a competitive standpoint, what good is that really going to do? Because the schools that continue to struggle are still going to have to go through these teams that succeed, um, you know, if they're going to want to win the big prize at the end. But then, you know, you, you start asking people that are maybe smarter than me when it comes to things like this. And, you know, it's more than just 
postseason success, and it's more than right. just trying to win state championships every year. And that's a lot what we focus on at the register. That's a lot what you guys focus on when you're talking here. And we, we chat during football season and wrestling season and this, that, and the next. But, you know, there is something to the idea of the Des Moines Public Schools and Ames and Marshalltown and Ottumwa and Mason City and Fort Dodge, you know, teams that do routinely struggle across the board mm-hmm. against, you know, the Valleys, the Dallings, the Waukees, the Southeast Polks, the Ankenies. Um you know, I mean, they're trying to create a better opportunity for, for their kids, not just at the varsity level, but at the sub-varsity levels as well. I mean, we got to remember here, we don't talk a lot about JV sports um, because varsities are the guys that play mm-hmm. on Friday nights and they go to the state tournaments and this, that, and the next. But, you know, there is a segment of these schools that, you know, the, the sub-varsity athletes do matter here. And so, you know, creating a separate conference for these schools to, you know, not just for the varsity guys and girls, but for the JV guys and girls and for the you know sophomore teams and the freshman teams to compete on level playing fields a little bit more to, to create a better athletic experience for these kids. Um, you know, that's a huge part of this as well. Um, you know, I, I, we don't have to dive into, you know, I, we all hate rallying off that number of how many times in a row that the Des Moines public school football teams have lost to suburban counterparts. You know, I think that the losing streak is now up to like somewhere close to 130 or over 130 games since 2009. Um, we hate keeping track of that stat, but until a win comes, we, we're going to have to just because, you know, that's just, it's, it's, it's a little astounding. Right. But, you know, I, but think about it at the, at the sub varsity levels too. You know, if you go generation after generation of getting your teeth kicked in like that, uh-huh. um, I'm surprised that the fact that it took this long to change. And I commend these schools for, for taking action into their own hands and for, you know, trying to set up better opportunities to compete and to enjoy these sports for their student athletes. I think there's some good that can come of it when it comes to postseason state championships. Yes, they're still going to have to go through the valleys and the Dowlings and the Waukees and things like that. But, you know, a day-to-day playing sports, creating that experience for these kids, I think this new conference is going to go a long ways in making that a better experience for everybody involved. And, And that's really... You know, again, we talk a lot about state championships here, but that's I, I, people should not lose sight of how much of an impact that can have on kids. Um, you know, fifteen to eighteen years old. Yeah, exceptionally well said. You must write for a living. Uh, that, <laughs> that was really well said. And, I, and I, again, I couldn't agree with you more. And you're right; it's more about varsity. But you know, there would be a time you'd look forward to the the Hoover and the North game at the end of the season because one of those schools was going to win for the first and only time throughout the season, right? And that now they get to be amongst themselves, gives more opportunity, might get more kids involved knowing that when they get to the varsity level they're not going to go winless on the season they're going to experience what it's like to win a football game i think it's great now having said that i'm sure that uh, not everybody does believe that have you heard any legitimate blowback that this isn't a good idea i would like to hear uh what that um what that take would entail because i i can't see a negative in this at all cody i really can't yeah i mean the people that you know, Matt and I have maybe heard from is just, you know, you're breaking up the, the largest, most successful, um, you know, high school league in the state. Right. And there's, you know, that's, it's, it's always kind of sad when something like that breaks up. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the, the DMPS school struggles, right. And, you know, how Fort Dodge and Mason city are kind of on the really smaller end of class four. A. I think even Mason city dabbles in three, a, or maybe even, um, you know, sub five, a sports for some of the girls sports that they have going on because they're that small. Um, you know, but I, so that, I mean, that kind of stinks, but I, you know, at the same time, 
you know, DMPS schools have found some success in some sports over the years. You know, I, I wish we would have been able to see Roosevelt play football this year. I think they could have yeah. had a, a chance at a really special mm-hmm. season. Um, Hoover and North have routinely been very competitive in basketball. Yep. Um, Des Moines East has always had a handful of wrestlers. Lincoln's Mickey Griffith got to the state finals this past year. Um, you know, I, Hoover softball won a state title not too long ago, and they routinely compete with some of these uh, better teams in the postseason. Um, you know, so it's going to it's gonna stink that we're not going to get to see these teams play, you know, all these other great teams. Like, again, the Valleys, the Dowlings, the Waukees, the Johnsons, all that in the next. Um, you know, so I, there are coaches that are upset about that. You know, I, for my purposes and what I do regularly, you know, Fort Dodge wrestling not being part of the CIML, that kind of stinks. Um, you know, I wonder what time, you know, because Fort Dodge has routinely been a very, very good program. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what's their schedule going to look like now? Um, you know, I know the CIML had talked about a – an actual, you know, instead of kind of a, a conference invitational tournament, actually setting up a true CIML championship over the next couple of years. So I wonder how that's going to change with all these schools leaving. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of people I think are just kind of, you know, a lot of people maybe aren't used to change. Right. So that's kind of where a lot of this at the, you know, at the beginning right now is kind of, oh, you know, that kind of stinks. The CIML is, is dead as we know it, right? Or at least the, the CIML that we have long known is no longer going to exist here in the next couple of years. Um, so that's kind of sad, but I mean, you know, at the same time, when you, when you consider all the other factors that we've discussed here, I'm with you, man. I, I think this could be a really good positive mm-hmm. for a lot of these other schools and, you know, who knows, we're still going to see these guys battle it out in the postseason, and, and maybe, you know, taking this route will help some of these schools build their programs up enough that, you know, it's not so much a David versus Goliath. It might be a level playing field somewhere way down the line. Who knows? Cody Goodwin, Des Moines Register. And this fella says 22-23 season? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So next year, next school year will be the last year of the full CIML with the, the 19 schools now with Waukee Northwest opening up next season. And then it'll revert after that. Cody, a, a question. This is, of course, for sports outside of football. And football, it is still the district format. No, there were so many conversations about what can be done to combat the growing discrepancy we see on the gridiron. And there were ideas of using some kind of socioeconomical kind of avenue going down that road to make different classes. They added an extra class in football. They didn't go that route. Do you think that's something that still the boys in Boone are thinking about? And obviously not the next couple of years, but in the future, there will be that route where it will be our suburban schools here and the Bettendorfs and the Cedar Falls of the world in their own class. And then the Waterloo's and the Des Moines and the Mason cities of the world, they'll have their own class. Do you think that still will happen down the line? I think it could. I mean, there's still, these conversations come up every year. Um, You know, and I don't, I don't know that the, the, the Iowa high school athletic association, Just lost him. Oh. Well, we are um, out of time anyways for the most part. So, Cody Goodwin, appreciate you coming on. Plug your phone in. Charge that bad boy back up. I can't see a negative trend. What What are you hearing? You're as tuned into high school sports as anybody, certainly in this building. It is continually people saying you're running tradition? away. Tradition? No, no. not nothing. I've heard very little about tradition. It is you're running away from the top. And, and where are those people, where did they go to school to tell you that they're running, are they Valley, are they Dowling, are they Ankeny? No, I, th- I think it's city people. There's they some, are? Yes, but they want, in, in order to be the best, you got to play the best. But it's not realistic. They're going to get their heads kicked in. And they do. The The stat that uh that I, I think Matthew Cody's Bain back, had. by the way. I'm oh, just yeah. going to put him on the air. The, the stat, and hey, Cody. Cody, thanks for uh, joining us again. Matthew's piece, Matthew Bain at the Register, his piece talking about these sports. Again, football is its own avenue. We, we got that, but... Yeah. 
baseball and basketball. Yeah, Hoover's really good in basketball. Yes, they are. And Fort Dodge, as you said, Cody and wrestling, they're really good. Mm-hmm. But it's still 16% of the time over the last five years. And these other sports, these city schools are winning game when they're taking on the suburban brethren. I, that, that takeaway just shows you, yes, there are these instances of really good teams. But across the board, this has to be looked at as good, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just the the the, the possibility of, of these other programs just just competing better and, and growing their programs a little bit more because you know, kind of like we were saying earlier, you know, when you go generation after generation of getting your teeth kicked in, like the Des Moines Public Schools have on the football field, you know, what kids are going to want to come out knowing that that's what's on the other end? That's the reward on Friday night, so to speak, right? You're going to go up against Valley and Valley with their numbers and their strength and their size, mm-hmm. you know. I, it's 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 not something I don't think kids want to be a part of. But if you change it a little bit and you give kids the opportunity to to win games, to play more on a level playing field, you know that's kind of what I was getting at. You know, maybe they build up their programs yeah. to the point where you know. I, and I think we were seeing that a little bit with uh, with Roosevelt. I think you know Coach Mitchell Moore, who's now at Iowa City High, was doing a fantastic job of just trying to change the culture and get guys excited about playing football and playing sports at Roosevelt. Um, you know, or at least sports they haven't been routinely as excited to play. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, outside of a couple of outliers here and there, you know, like a Fort Dodge wrestling, like Des Moines Hoover, uh, uh, basketball and Des Moines Hoover softball. And, um, you know, Roosevelt's been uh, pretty good at baseball every now and again. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's usually, you know, I mean, just look at football, right. It's been mostly Dowling, um, with a little bit of Ankeny, Ankeny sprinkled in there and, and Valley's always a team that you got to beat if you want to get to the end. Um, it's, it's hard, man. It's, it's really, really hard. I, I, I think this, I think this could ultimately be positive. Um, you know, just trying to, you know, not putting state championships and postseason success aside, just trying to help these kids enjoy sports, right? And just getting them to have fun and, and have a good experience. Because we all know how good sports can be, you know, just the impact that that can have just with the right coach and just the lessons that they teach. Um, but that only works if you get these kids out to play. And so I think that new this new conference that they're going to form here in a couple of years, um, you know, I, I think it's a lot of good can come of it. And at least I, I hope a lot of good comes of it from, from that perspective, for sure. I, I'm with you. I mean, we don't have to go back very far. Uh, the kid Hilson from North who committed to Iowa to play football. First time in 40 years that North has sent somebody to a Power 5 school. That That's a perfect example mm-hmm. of it. It's just numbers. Um, you wouldn't write that story for – well, you would, but it wouldn't be that big a deal if a kid from Waukee or Dowling or Valley committed to anywhere. Well, and, you know, one thing, you know, this is not for varsity football, yes, that that is still going to stay in the districts, and North might still have to play Dowling, and we know what's going to happen in those games. But for the lower levels and the scheduling, you're scheduling your own brethren in 7th and 8th and ninth grade. and those Keeps kids, the interest. Yes, because you go out there and your schedule – you're east. All right, you got one game against the city school, but the rest is against Valley. Hmm. One's against Southeast Polk. Hmm. One's against Centennial. And your five-game schedule, you get beat by 60 points in four of the five games. Right. You going to go out for the next year doing that in seventh grade? No. no. You're going to hang it up. But when you play schools that are similar, you keep those kids out. You keep them engaged. That's why this is a big deal. Yes, district football remains, and there's still going to be those mismatches. But maybe in five, seven, eight, ten years, those mismatches, that gap will close a little bit more. That's the hope at the very least. Fingers crossed. Cody Goodwin, Des Moines Register. You and Matthew did a terrific job covering this. Appreciate what you do for us, Cody. We'll talk to you in the uh, weeks ahead. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate good, it. Yep, good to talk to you. Cody Goodwin from the Des Moines Register, 1125. Uh, Scott Dockerman is coming up next. We'll get into the Hawks. The depth chart is out. It's, uh, where is it? Hawkeyesports.com. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, the spring 
prospectus has i think there's a link for that there anyways we'll talk to doc next from the athletic miller and condon till noon oh we got to try to give away some money yes i almost forgot about this trent it only happens four times a day morning rush does it in the six o'clock hour we're about to do it uh, Murph and Andy in their 2 o'clock hour and the Fanatics in the 4 will give you an opportunity to double your stimulus. Right now, win $1,400 by texting the keyword double to 200-200. That's double to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Doc on the Hawks next. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106. Global Direct Mail and Marketing is a local design and print shop that'll help you from start to finish. From design to printing and mailing it for you. From wedding invitations to birth announcements. And it's time to be thinking about those graduation announcements. No matter how big or small your project is, Global will work with you from creating a custom design to getting your project inserted into the mail. Global can design, print, and deliver. And Global can help your business grow with custom mailers designed to help you bring new customers through your doors. Located on 121st Street in Urbandale or call Craig at 515-282-3000. It's Global Direct Mail and Marketing. A business name is important, sure. For one, it's how we connect with you, find you, and do business with you. But what's behind the name matters more. Roshan Corporation of Iowa is now Graphite Construction Group. We're building offices, retail centers, tenant improvements, schools, and more. But the most important thing we build? Our relationship with you. Let's get started on your construction project. Visit us at graphitegrp.com. Or Facebook. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Just past 11.30 on a Tuesday. We take you until noon. Murph and Andy coming up here at... Well, their new time slot, 1 to 3, the Fanatics from 3 until 6. Scott Docterman is back with us from The Athletic. Kirk Ferentz met the media yesterday. The team is on the field. Doc's latest piece, as he recapped what he heard yesterday, is up at The Athletic, and we appreciate him uh, joining us right now. Hello, Doc. How are you? I'm terrific today. How about you guys? Doing well. Football is kind of in the air, spring variety, but uh, still, take it. Uh, any football is better than no football, Scott Dockerman. We appreciate you coming on. Your biggest takeaway from listening to Ferentz, uh, before we get into the um, you know both sides of the ball, what was the, your single biggest takeaway from yesterday, Scott? You know, uh, other than a long, very long-winded opening statement, which they're getting more and more that way, <laughs> I would probably say the quarterback competition, and that is that it it seems like maybe the door was a little bit more ajar, you know, six to eight weeks ago than it is now. I kind of think mm-hmm. that it's, it, it, you know, in early February, it seemed like it was Bill Spencer's, Petrus's job, no matter what, uh, but there was going to be a competition, and now, you know, whether it was Kirk trying to defend Spencer a little bit more or just uh, you know, trying to kind of cut the oxygen on any kind of potential competition. Uh, he said there he's going to let them all compete, but um, he really spent 
the majority of his uh, discussion kind of outlining why Spencer Petras is on the way up. So I think that's kind of my primary takeaway was just kind of related to uh, the quarterback situation. It's a competition, but it's not a competition. Spencer Petras will take snap one Mm. short of an injury against Indiana and short of the last three quarters against Illinois. That is very concerning. He looked... He looked as bad as any Iowa quarterback for stretches last year. What was the one game that he threw all the picks? Oh, the first half. It, it, Do you he, remember, Doc? Well, he did against Northwestern. Northwestern, yes. Half, yeah. The, uh, yeah, right. That was the one. He was just bad. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's no two ways about it. He was bad. He was as bad as Jake Christensen in his worst <laughs> moments. <laughs> and now he is the starter. It feels like there's just a lot of eggs being put in this basket. I liked the rest of the offense. I think they're going to find receivers to step up. I think the offensive line is going to be good. And you have a running game with Goodson. The defense has a chance to be good, yet that remains the question mark. Why Why are they going this route? It. I don't know. It seems very unfair and slight to just say, he's our guy. And they're not They're not going to turn their, their back on him. Well, I, I think it's interesting that uh, you know there were some moments where when you do look at it, and I try to, you know, you remove the, the moment and you look past it, you try to identify some things, and it, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was when I was going through it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he did have he had nine touchdowns and five interceptions outside of that horrendous second half against Northwestern, yeah. which I equally blame the coaching staff for. Uh, you know, he, he you know, was nine and two, and then that's pretty, that's, that's not bad for a game manager that but i i'm not disagreeing with you at all trent where i i thought it was the position that held iowa back i mean you know in their six game win streak to end the season five of those games were by two touchdowns or more you know from the uh spread uh but it could have been more than that and i think the first two games were there for the taking with a quarterback you know even whether it's Nate stanley or somebody like that so i i like the fact that at least the word competition is in there. But I think it's uh, whether it's first among equals or somebody's going to have to come in and really beat out Spencer Petrus, or this is just the chance that it's, uh, uh, you know, that, that everybody finally gets an opportunity to kind of compete in a spring uh, practice setting. Uh, I, I think it's going to be his job to lose. And uh, But if he competes like he did last fall, that I would say that opportunity is there. Uh, one more on the quarterback, Doc, and then we'll move on. I, I, I'm like Trent. I'm kind of surprised. I thought this would be an open competition. Um, I'd have bet a lot of money on it at some point last year that there was going to be a competition. Where I want to go is ask you about is Deuce Hogan, and you pointed out in your piece he was the scout team quarterback last year. There's a lot of buzz around him, Doc, when uh, when he when when they got him here, when he got on campus. I mean, he certainly looks the part of what you want size wise in a quarterback. Um, is, is he not as far along as maybe the hype said that he was? I think it's hard for any quarterback in his position to really establish himself based on what they had to go through in the spring or the summer and the fall last year. And this was the unfortunate part of the Big Ten, more, more so than any other league that you had. Uh, he didn't have a traditional fall camp, you know, even at Iowa State in the Big 12 you would have had that traditional fall camp. It was once everything got ramped up, it was like there was really very little competition for anybody. It was just let's get in the seat and start driving pretty fast. Right. And, and so I, I, right now I, I think the, you know, the way the depth chart shakes out and 
let's face it, that depth chart is just are just names on a paper that are more mm-hmm. pencil than anything. It's it's going to materialize over the next fifteen practices, the next five weeks. So whether he's uh, you know it you know moved forward enough or he looked good on the practice team, I don't know. And they haven't even really that long of a season. They only had eight games versus even you know, on thirteen in a traditional year. So I, I think right now we'll know a lot more about this team when we get into May than we do right now. One of the biggest things that jumped off the page to both Ken and myself yesterday when we saw the depth chart is where the pass rush going to come from? Defensive line has been a strength for the Iowa program seemingly almost every year over the last 23 years of Kirk Ferentz. Up front, looks like guys that can stop the run. Who's going to get to the quarterback out of this group? Good question. I think we're going to have to really figure that out. I mean, Zach Van Valkenburg had a nice year. Mm-hmm. I mean, three and a half sacks in eight games, eight and a half tackles for loss. He looked good doing that. He was a second team All Big Ten guy. Uh, on the other side, uh, you know, John Wagner is going to get his first opportunity to be a starter. Uh, he's got potential in that realm. He was a four star pick or a four star recruit. So I think there's a, um, you know, there, there's some talent there. And then the interior wise, uh, you know, seeing Y.A. Black uh, be a you know redshirt freshman and already be a starting defensive tackle—that's the position that probably concerns me more than pass rush because I think you can generate something like that off the edge, and it's just going to come from uh, you know whether it's Joe Evans as a designated pass rusher, mm-hmm. potentially Justice Sullivan, somebody else blitzes. But to me, it, the hallmark of the Iowa defense is a two-gap scheme built on lateral movement first is stopping the run and uh if you know whether that's logan jones uh coming in and he had a tremendous offseason uh weight wise weightlifting wise and then y.a black who's just you know got an incredible build for how young he is i i think that's to me the biggest concern if they can stop the run they can generate the pass rush and they'll be okay on defense but if they can't stop the run that just bleeds into everything. Doc, I want to pick up on a name you just mentioned, uh, Joe Evans. Seemingly, um, more times than not, uh, when I was when I'm watching the game and writing down notes for for Monday's show, Joe Evans' name was on my list. He made a lot of plays when maybe wasn't expected to do so. So, is this the year that he really stands out? Do you think? What's it going to take for him to be that guy that leads the team in getting to the quarterback? I think the ability's there, Doc. Yeah, it's there. Uh, he's got he's got the perfect build for a Wisconsin linebacker, <laughs> you know, mm. and, and that's an out. Yeah. They, they're the three four, and that's the way they kind of operate um, in Iowa's four three. Uh, you know, he's he's still a little bit undersized, but that said, he's he's tenacious. He's uh, you know really you know tough, and he can also uh, get to the quarterback, as you said. So, you know, a lot of this is you know it's very very premature when we look at the depth chart. You know, I, I've learned over the years that I just kind of look at it as, okay, this is kind of like a starting line, that there's going to be a lot of room for change coming up in the, over the next couple of weeks. And, and frankly, into the summer, and, and there's a lot of change by mid-August uh, to this first game. So I, I think it's going to just take a consistent effort against the run. And, it, you know, and if he could do that, then his pass rushing ability is probably the strongest among the players that I've seen on the team. Special teams, Tory Taylor is back for his sophomore year. And, and last year, he's got to go after this. You would think so. He is certainly uh, more than three years removed from his graduating <laughs> high school class. Uh, Caleb Chudik, though, takes over a kicker. We've seen him on kickoffs, a couple of long attempts at field goal. Where do you think he is? And 
I know there were people sniffing around him in the transfer portal a year ago. Mm-hmm. Shudak, what kind of kicker he is replacing Keith Duncan? If you take Kirk Ferentz and LeVar Woods at their word, and over the last two years they've said it's just been really close, the competition-wise, then Iowa should have a pretty good kicker. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't know how much of that is hyperbole versus uh, legitimacy, but I, if they have that much faith in Caleb Schudick, if they put you know him on scholarship a year and a half ago or whatever it was, and and if they brought him back for a sixth year, they must really like him. And you know to be able to have those kickoff abilities, the long field goals, and if he's consistent um, on extra points and and close field goals, similar to the way of, of Keith Duncan, then I don't think there'll be a problem. I, I guess to have him around and to hear as much about him as we have, and more so than any other backup kicker I can ever remember. I think they're probably in pretty good shape. But, but again, that's all going to come down to at Jack Tri Stadium in the fourth quarter if it's a three- or six-point game and he needs to come in and, ride, and hit a 42-yard field goal from the left hash. If he makes it, hey, no problems. If he misses it, you know, you got problems. So, you know, that's, that's to me where we'll know more about uh, Caleb Schudick than and what's going on in spring football. Uh, Doctor, back seven defensively, obviously, is, is I mean, the secondary, uh, all familiar names, uh, Benson and Campbell, linebacker position, even Dane Belton at the cash, uh, really good. What what kind of struck me in reading the transcript is, is it seems like there's some depth at the linebacker spot, right? Uh, Campbell and Benson are the guys, but if something should happen in what is, after all, a contact sport, Ference went out of his way seemingly. You were there, you listened in. Uh, to uh, wanted to make sure that the the guys behind those guys, uh, their names were mentioned yesterday. Is that how you took it, depth wise? You know, I don't know. And I, I mean, my guy, I think there's really three linebackers for two spots, and I think Justin Jacobs is the other one uh, right now. My kind of read is, and 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 this is why I don't really always go off the depth chart is. You know, if Justin Jacobs is the third linebacker, he's probably the guy that's going to play the Leo position, mm. you know, and not maybe necessarily uh, Logan Klemp. It'll probably be because they run that still about 25% of its of their plays so on defense. So I, I think that it's probably those three. I like and, uh, and Jay Higgins got brought up. He was a tackling machine in, in uh, Indianapolis and uh, played a lot of special teams last year. So those are the kind of guy. Those are the guys that I thought, you know, got mentioned a lot. They they are bringing in. They have two, you know, new freshmen uh, going through spring training. So I don't know if they'll how much action they'll see or, or competition they'll get into. But uh, it really, to me, again, it, it seems like Benson, Campbell, and Jacobs are your, probably your your three linebackers. And uh, Benson and Campbell really proved themselves last year to be, um, you know. At the top of the list, and no doubt about it. Get you out of here on this, Doc. Sounds like uh, there will be a couple of opportunities for fans and media to witness uh, some activities at Kinnick Stadium, which is certainly uh, words to everybody's ears. Um, do you know when those will be? And does it sound like that there will be two of those opportunities? We're planning on that, and I've heard that's the case. That uh, not official yet and probably won't be for a little bit yet but it's uh april 17th a saturday and may 1st a saturday uh may 1st is the final practice and 
and uh, the midpoint, uh, you know, April 17th would be the other option. So, yeah, it would be great if they could get fans in there. I don't know what they're going to do as far as, you know, if they're going to charge or not. They traditionally do not. Mm-hmm. But and <laughs> I would think that this year there would be a lot of Iowa fans want to go, maybe <laughs> more so than in the past. And if you're if you're Iowa, you may want to reclaim a little bit of the revenue you lost last year. And hey, everybody, ante up five bucks to get in. I think that might not be the worst thing in the world either. And a hundred percent capacity. Did Barta let on what he hopes to have in, as far as numbers of people in the stands this fall? Oh, this fall he wants. He's hoping and praying. He says for for a hundred percent, and and that that's my guess. Yep. I mean, if because what starting Monday everybody can. Every yep. goal is eligible to get the shot. Yep. So, uh, you know, I think that's probably the case that they're going to go with 100. I can imagine everybody's going to go with 100 unless there's just another obscene outbreak, which I think we're all hoping in, in life that doesn't happen. Feels kind of, dare I say, boys, getting back to that word that we never thought we'd hear say again. Yeah. Begins with an end, ends with an L. Uh, <laughs> we're getting there. Normal will be upon us before we know it. Doc, thank you. Appreciate it. We will talk to you next week. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Uh, If you're not a subscriber, we certainly encourage you and endorse what they do over there. Uh, Do great work. All your Major League Baseball teams have an assigned writer. The Cardinals just announced their new beat reporter for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals yesterday, so they're covered. Uh, It's it's a great resource is what it is. We will take a timeout, come back. A couple of games tonight couple of chances for you to opine. By the way, television numbers on the Sweet 16 up 12% over Mm -hmm. 2019. 1.5 million people watched UConn and Iowa play on Saturday. Was it Saturday or Saturday? It was. Saturday at noon? One. Noon. 1.5 million. It's a massive number. It's huge. Oh. Now remember, Sweet 16 games were played on Thursday, Friday, as opposed to the weekend games right. we had here. So, do you think the indicator will be what happened last night and tonight? It's going to be a big drop off from the weekend, from the weekend that it normally is. Mm-hmm. And one side will try to spin it one way, and because well, the... what's the most difficult night to draw people to Saturday night? Sat- uh, Friday night. I... Friday? I think it's Saturday. It's Saturday, yeah. So maybe not as low as you anticipate. It'll Although be a drop. I... I'm hoping it's... And it was Oregon State-Houston. That's a great point. It wasn't the shiniest group of games last night. And even Baylor-Arkansas. Yeah. Old Southwest Conference right. mates getting together. Right. You got, a few, you got three brands tonight. These numbers will be better. I think they will, too. I mean, USC and UCLA and Michigan. And, oh, by the way, that undefeated squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what how Trent's going to attack these tonight. Miller and Condon come back and wrap up a Tuesday on 1460 KXNO and 106. KXNO. 68 teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game. If your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Turning $1 into $100 is 100 to 1 odds. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt. For your shot at winning $100, all it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code KXNO when you sign up to turn $1 into 
$100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the victory. That's code KXNO for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Iowa only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call for details. Trent Condon here again for the Urology Center of Iowa. Well, the big bracket is here, but that doesn't mean you can't find sports on TV to watch after your vasectomy. We got baseball's opening day right around the corner. How about if you're a golf fan, that beautiful tournament in Augusta and the Urology Center of Iowa is taking appointments right now for vasectomies. Give them a call, 515-400-3550 or schedule online at iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa. And tell them you heard it on KXNO. Alright, welcome back. Miller and Condon. During the break, I just had another car warranty. Oh, yeah? Oh, has anybody ever... Oh, so glad you called. I, mean, I have ever been happened? wondering about my car warranty. Why oh. is that seemingly the only... Telemarketing that is still going on? I have no idea. I work for a telemarketing company in college. I apologize to everybody for the phone calls I made to them. <laughs> I mean, we, we were hawking. a tough gig. Man. Oh, it was awful. Just awful. Absolutely terrible. I did call uh, Steve Alford and uh, talk to Tanya one afternoon, though. <laughs> did they ask for for free whatever you're selling? <laughs> no, they did not. But I actually talked uh, about 10 minutes of Iowa basketball with Tanya That'd because be nice. it was an awful, awful Awful gig. Oh, and man. a couple short years later, uh, I was ripping Tanya on the radio. So <laughs> nice. How quickly things could change, right? Full circle. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Justin Fields ran a 4-4-4 at the Combine. Only, uh, not the Combine, at their pro day. 4-4-4, the only one that was quicker in the last 21 years. Uh, RG3 ran a 4-4-1. Now, that doesn't mean everybody ran. Right. Um, he's a quarterback that intrigues me. I love him. I absolutely But you know where he's going to go? If it's I like him more than Wilson. Yeah. But he's not going to go, too. He's not? You know where he's going? Chicago. No, he's going to be long gone before then. No. Eight to Carolina. So Teddy is the bridge. Teddy's <laughs> well done. Because mm-hmm. um, if he's there at nine, then I don't think that Denver will say no to that. But I don't think they'll get past Carolina. They need a quarterback. One, two, three. Um, Atlanta's four. Since he's five. Um, Miami's moved up to six. They got their guy. Seven is who? Detroit. Eight's Carolina. And nine's Denver. Pretty good. It's you you think he's going to be there? You... Justin Fields? I think he'll be there at eight, and Carolina will... If he's there at eight, I, I, I'm not... I'd be shocked, too. All right, we, we've got some business to attend to. Um, You're on USC tonight. I am on USC. I'm on Gonzaga. Okay. Are you going to make a real bet? I have already. Oh, you already have. I parlayed bar- uh, Baylor I was going to say, we USC. could kick out those guys with their juice and we could just do it against each <laughs> Too other. Too late. I've got a... Uh, so I, I took Baylor last night uh-huh. to USC plus nine and then just those two stand alone and then threw Michigan on the money line to get a little more because it's free money. Free money? Well, I didn't sign up for free money. I just think it's oh, that easy you. that I can't lose. I have uh, to... Com- Complete a parlay. I have the Zags in Michigan on the money line tonight. I'm playing Gonzaga. I'm laying the points. Yep. I think I might be on UCLA. It's not a it's not a play yet. Michigan wins though. Yes. If they played like they did on Sunday, they will. I mean, they crushed. Right. They're not going to play like they no. played Sunday though. Florida State had no chance. Isn't the UCLA run bound? I think it is. And I'm here? with this kind of like the Oregon State run. Yeah. 
I think it's coming to an end. So are we. In fact, we're at the end. But the good news is there's more local programming coming up in an hour. Murph and Andy will be here at 1. The Fanatics at 3. Wednesday, local programming starts with the Morning Rush. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays 10 to noon on 1460 and 106.3 FM.